You're listening to True Stories Told Live. Welcome to Speakeasy, where our tellers get on stage with their whole, authentic, beautifully human selves and speak their experience. No notes, just the memory of a life lived. On our stage, you'll hear humor, hope, embarrassment, disappointment, grief, lust, anger, love, remembrance, the whole brilliant and nuanced spectrum of what it is to live as individuals in community with others. Here at Speakeasy, our incredibly gracious audience holds all of it, sighing together, laughing together, crying together, and cheering our hearts out together. There's a symbiotic thing we've got going here between our tellers and our listeners where each person creates that sacred space that just unflinchingly holds each other's stories, where we bear bits of our souls and bear witness. Join us the first Thursday of every month in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 p.m., where we gather at Wild Goose Creative, nestled in amongst the gallery's newest art exhibit. With a simple theme as inspiration, 10 tellers sign up, brave up, Step up in front of a microphone and get honest. What you're about to hear is one of those stories. Okay, um, so before the door even closed behind me, I had decided I was going AWOL. I had to make it from there to the payphone to tell my family. I didn't tell them because I wanted them to come rescue me, and I didn't tell them because I needed permission or I wanted them to talk me out of it. I told them because I knew that I had to hitchhike between Georgia and Nebraska, and I didn't need them calling the police. It was enough to know that I was gonna be facing a court-martial, a dishonorable discharge. I just needed them to not call the police. As I made that walk, I began to think, how did I even get here? You know, just a year before, I had graduated from college with an art degree. I was gonna be an art teacher. Everything was looking up. I had all these interviews lined up, and I went to these interviews, right? And they would find out that I was 22 years old with a six-year-old daughter. And the principals didn't want to deal with that. The towns in Nebraska were too small to explain that. And they could always hire the next art teacher. And after several interviews, I realized that I wasn't going to be an art teacher. And I couldn't go to a bigger city where I could hide that because the problem was that I was engaged to this farmer. We ran this confinement hog deal, right? And I was engaged to him. I was tied to that area. So I knew I would be a good farm wife. I was raised on a farm. I know how to work hard. I'd be a good farm wife. And I accepted that until that first week of August came. And it was hot. Like it was over 100 degrees. And it had thrown those sows into labor. So my fiance said, I'm going to need some help out in the Farrowin house. And I said, that's cool. I'll go out there and work in that Farrowin house. We had hundreds of piglets born that day. And every piglet that was born, I'd have to pick that piglet up and cut its tail and cut its teeth and vaccinate it. Then I'd scoop up that afterbirth and I'd take it out to the incinerator. And I'd stand there in 100 degrees plus with that smoke coming in my face and the sweat coming down. And I would think about being a farm wife. That wasn't a deal breaker, (laughs) but here was the deal breaker. My fiance was older than me and he had a little bit of money. 
And if I stayed there and married that man, he'd have to pay off those student loans. And I was afraid that for the rest of my life, he would never see me as an equal. And I couldn't allow that. And the only way I could see that I could get to make this farm wife thing work is to get those loans paid off. And I didn't see a way to get those loans paid off except the military. I could go to the military, get those loans paid off in a few years, race back to Nebraska and marry this man. Look him in the eye, that's it, two equals here at the altar. And that became the plan. I didn't tell him, I just went down to the recruiter's office, okay? <laughs> went to the Navy recruiter. He said, you know, military doesn't take single parents. But the Army is a little short on their quota. Why don't you go upstairs and talk? So I went upstairs, and that, that, that Army recruiter, he said, okay, we'll take you, and I'll tell you what. You can just sign the custody of your daughter over to your parents, and then just let her live with you, because we never check on who lives with you. And that didn't sound too hard. And then as I was leaving, he said, hey, do you want to be an officer? And I said, I said, well, what does an officer do? And they said, well, you make more money. I said, yeah, that's what I want. So, <laughs> that's exactly what I want. So they sent me off. I went to basic training. I did a couple months there, OK? And then after that, I'm going to officer candidate school. Now, officer candidate school, if you're not familiar with the military, OK, that's for people who've already been in the military. Maybe they've been in there five, six years, whatever. They got their degree. And now they're going to go become an officer. Instead of going to West Point or ROTC, this is the other path. I've gone to art school and eight weeks of basic training. And now I'm going to be over here with all these people who know what the military is, OK? <laughs> I stepped foot in that OCS, they call it, Officer Candidate School. I was lost. Every single sentence could not be deciphered. <laughs> they would say, if you have a POV in the North Lot, move it. And I would panic. I didn't even know if I had a POV, okay? <laughs> I didn't know where the North Lot was. I didn't understand anything that they were saying to me. And the very first thing that we had to do is we had to do this physical test. Well, I was a smoker. <laughs> You know, I wasn't big into fitness, but I figured I could do this. I had done some sprinting. So you got to do this running, you know, and you got to do these push-ups. Well, I knocked those push-ups out. I could do more than a man, you know, because I was a farm girl. I could do these things, you know. Um, but when it came time to do that two-mile run, I can't run two miles. What I can do, I can sprint real fast. Then I'm just going to walk till I catch my breath. <laughs> then I'm going to run again. Then I'm going to walk again. And I just did that for two miles. <laughs> And I came in ahead of all the rest of the women. <laughs> so they put a guy in charge of you. He's called a TAC officer. This TAC officer hated this. He stopped me. He was in charge of our platoon. He stopped me. He goes, you can't walk on that track. I said, I didn't know that. that was. I thought if I kept moving. And, I, and he goes, no, you're not supposed to. But he didn't, he didn't like me. Right then there, he decided he wasn't going to do this. And he did not like me. Now, I had tried for this story to come up with what that guy's name is. I don't remember it. So for the purposes of this story from now, I'm just going to call him Dick. And uh, so Dick didn't want to see me commissioned. That's just it, period. And he might have been right, because I didn't know anything about the military. I really, I, I knew nothing about the military. But I did know a few things. I had some skills. One, I was a mother ever since I was 16 years old. I can take care of people. I can. I can see that you're fed. I can see you got what you need. I can take care of you, OK? The other thing is, I had to work these farms, right? Beginning in fourth grade. During lambing season, everybody had one night in my family, and you didn't get to sleep that night. That night you went out to that, that, that corral, and you walked and you looked for the ewes that were in labor. You moved them into the shed, you put them under a light, and you walked the next hour. And then you went to school the next day on no sleep. From fourth grade on, 
Then I went into college, you know, and I had to work and go to college and be a single mom. And I waited that night shift in the middle of the night, and I would get up and go to work. So I took the skills I had and I used those. We would get ready for things like these, uh, you know, they have these inspections, and we would have to shine the floors and shine everything, and we're all up, and it's getting to be about midnight. And I look around, and my platoon is exhausted. And I said, why don't you guys go get some sleep? I'm going to finish this up. And I would work, and I would not sleep that night because that's my skill set. That's what I bring to the table. I can work hard, I can go without sleep, and I can take care of the people around me. So when it came time for the evaluations, I was okay with my platoon. They could respect what I was doing, whether I knew the military or not. And they had this vicious, vicious evaluation cycle where the platoon would pick the top five people in that platoon and the bottom five people. And then they would get rid of the bottom five people, send them out, they're out of the, they're out of the program. Next week come around, they'd rate the top five, the bottom five, bottom five out of there. And on this rating scheme, I was coming in top five. And this pissed Dick off, Because okay? <laughs> I didn't run two miles. I don't know anything about the military. And he did not think I should be top five. I remember at the last cycle where they let everybody go, he sat me down and he said, I am never gonna commission you. He goes, I've got my eye on you, and if I commission you, someone's going to die. Well, I went through that, that officer candidate school, and it was hard. It was really hard, because I missed my daughter. I missed my fiance, and I missed Nebraska. I really did. But I'm going through this, and you go through this like basic cycle where you just have on like a uniform. Then you go to this intermediate cycle. When you go to the intermediate cycle, you get an ascot. It's like the English wear. <laughs> it like goes around your neck, it's big as fancy, and in, in the intermediate cycle, it's white. And when you make it through the intermediate cycle, you get the infantry blue advanced cycle ascot. And I'm in that senior cycle, I'm coming up for weeks from graduation, right? And I'm coming out there, I'm coming out of the, uh, the dining facility, and Dick stops me. And he says, uh, Cadet, you had crumbs on your ascot. He reached up to that neck and he pulled it off. And he says, you will not be senior phase any longer. No more advanced phase. He's got to recycle me to the place behind, make me go through this again. I had done all I could do. I went back to the barracks and I sat on my cot and I just cried. I just cried. And it was time after lunch to go out to the noon formation. I couldn't pull it together. I was just, and people started coming back from the, uh, the dining facility, and I'm crying on my cot, you know? And uh, that day, the platoon refused to go out to formation until I got that ascot back. And I put that ascot on, and I came out to that. Dick was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> he was pissed. But I had done everything I could do, you know? And I'm looking now like I'm going to get a commission. I've only got one more thing to do. There was a test, it was in logistics, okay? And logistics is like magic. I don't know what it is, actually. <laughs> it's like they talk about like class six and class one and class five and, and ways to get these requisitions. And I don't even like, I don't know exactly what they're talking about. I didn't do well on that test. <laughs> it's not a big deal because you get a retest. And the retest is the day before graduation. Okay, I study up. 
trying to get these classes together because all I got to do is pass this test and I'm going to be an army officer, you know? And I study up and I go in there and I take this test. Take 70 points to pass. I take that retest, they grade it right in front of me. I got 68 points. And I walked out of that room and that door shut behind me and I knew I was going AWOL. And I walked to that phone and I picked it up and I called the operator and I said, I need to make a collect call. And then I heard the voice behind me. I said, candidate. I turn around and there's this NCO coming out, stock commission officer coming out of this room. I said, Kenneth, I need to see you back here. So I went back there and he goes, I was looking over your test and I don't think that you read this question correctly. And he read the question out and he said, now is the answer A, B, or C? <laughs> and I said, well, now that I think about it, I think it might be B. <laughs> And he changed that grade from 68 to 70. And with the stroke of a pen, a man who I had never known before and I have never seen since, changed the trajectory of my life. Thank you.